These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm -hmm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. People just want to know that they're, they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Open Journal podcast. I hope you're well, hope things are good for you. My name is Mike and I'm delighted to say in this episode I'm joined by a brand new guest. Hazel will be joining us today and we're going to be talking a little bit about Hazel's lived experiences and insights uh, with a few different mental health illnesses and some of our own kind of insights and I guess a combination of knowledge and talking points around psychosis uh self-harm we talk about suicide prevention as well um we don't go into any like huge detail on topics but we do talk about some of our own lived experiences and insights so if that sounds like it's something that you might not be comfortable with this might be an episode to skip um and you might have noticed there's been a, a real range particularly i would say in the last sort of five or six episodes of different conversation points and topics um so there's plenty to choose from at the moment Again, a big thank you to Hazel for coming on and sharing lived experience and insights. And also, we get to hear a little bit about the Reality Tourist podcast as well. And I really, really enjoy having the opportunity to talk about and share some insights to other podcasts and podcast hosts and kind of how they host different types of conversation and insights. And I think part of our conversation was also about uh kind of the difference between like education awareness and i guess like just general conversation like where does that fit within it as well so it's a really interesting conversation to have as i say once again a huge thank you to hazel for coming on and, and, and sharing lived experience i think it really adds to the conversations that we have here um i have got to say a very small but definite <laughs> apology in that I hadn't realised quite how many episodes I had kind of bulk recorded. Um, so this conversation is from the end of October. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of time has passed <laughs> since this recording. Um, but a huge thank you to Hazel for, for being part of this conversation. And I know I think there's um, a few guests recently that I'd really, really like to, to kind of pick up our conversation again in the future. So hopefully there's an opportunity for Hazel to come back and we can talk again about some of the conversation points that we have here. As always, I really hope you enjoy this episode and our conversation. You can find out more information about the podcast and being a guest on the website, which is openjournalbc.com. And if you've enjoyed it, I really hope you have, uh, you can leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. And that really does help other people discover both the podcast and the conversations that we're having here. Thank you again for continuing to support the podcast and 
Here is our conversation. Hi Hazel, it's really nice to sit down and have the opportunity to chat with you. How's your how's your week been? How are you? Um, yeah, I'm generally relatively okay. I've been better, been worse. <laughs> Can't complain much, really. It's um, a so, yeah. it's a funny time, isn't it? Like we we've, we've just had a chat about like the weather changing, the temperature changing, it getting darker. Um, I feel like it's a good time to kind of actually reconnect with the things that we do that keep us well like is there something you're doing at the moment that's uh like a cool well-being tool or something that's helped keep you keeping you positive oh god i'm terrible at that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm having a massive issue at the moment because um, i'm having a side effect to one of my medications and it resulted in me playing with my medications don't do that people at home <laughs> because i thought well if i just taper it down a bit the, med the side effect was and it did stop but then the illness had to come back mm. so <laughs> it's not advisable um but no i mean my, my main thing normally is going running which when you get into the winter does become a little bit more difficult because it's dark and i live rurally <laughs> so Ooh. yeah i'm on a treadmill though so it's fine oh there you go yeah i think that's i, I um for a few years like i i really do i enjoy running i'm not i think i enjoy running i like it i definitely <laughs> like it i'm not sure how i enjoy it I, I think i do um but i had a knee injury a couple of years ago and i used to love like going outside and running and like you move around different places and you see different things but now i'm i'm a constant treadmill person so the very little running that i do that's not on the treadmill and i do like yeah sometimes it's pretty boring <laughs> um <laughs> i definitely miss that being outside so yeah it must be tricky once it gets dark and you kind of lose that opportunity especially like rural like that's the benefit that's one of the benefits of being rural you've got all that lovely outdoors um so it must be a shame kind of when it comes through to winter and it's a bit less accessible yeah it can be a little bit i, I also um as ridiculous as may that sound i run barefoot so in oh, the winter okay. that's got even more challenges <laughs> i have to start oh. putting shoes on which just feels unnatural to me but do, yeah <laughs> do you wear um i know someone that I, I say used to i don't know now i guess they still do that wears the i don't know if they're like running shoes but like the the toe shoes oh um they begin with a v no i don't because they're ridiculously expensive um, okay. <laughs> basically a few years ago I was running a marathon and I was doing it for charity so I decided I'd do it barefoot because I'd get more sponsorships mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I had to do it barefoot fully barefoot because you know it had to have that visual impact of yeah. I have naked feet <laughs> I just got used to it I think oh I, what was like the first those first couple of runs or training or did you train and then just do it on the day with no shoes surely you trained tell me you oh, trained oh, I, I did definitely train I, 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 was, I was already a marathon runner okay. so what I started doing is the last like whatever percentage of my run I'd take my shoes off and just carry my shoes and that percentage got bigger and bigger and bigger uh, okay. I'd also I'm also a qualified run coach so I kind of vaguely know what I'm doing okay oh okay <laughs> <Vaguely>. okay <laughs> you're one of those people that doesn't need a pacer because you know how you're how you're going when you're when you're going around I suppose oh, a pace would be nice because I'm I'm an ultra runner really, so I'm really slow. <laughs> but you're doing long distances if you're an ultra runner. Well, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I can't. Running without shoes, 
I can pretend that wouldn't be painful. I can pretend that in my head. And it sounds lovely, very connected to earth, very like actually running and enjoying them. In the winter, though, just immediately I go, I would need to see the ground. I wouldn't feel stable enough. And I don't think that's just a knee thing. I think that's, I'd, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel confident enough with that. So, yeah, yeah. I, um... Autumn's worst because you get really panicky about what might be hiding under the leaves. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think my my best uh, like surface story, if that's a thing, I remember a couple of years ago going running outside when it had snowed. And at first I could tell the difference between like where was footpath and essentially ice and snow and where was grass and so snow and then grass and that was cool for the first like maybe mile and then after that I was like I can't tell the difference anymore this is really really unsafe <laughs> <laughs> yeah very quickly became not a great idea so okay. I mean oh. I, I have some huge disaster stories if you want to <laughs> <laughs> I once saw a piece of glass during a half marathon oh my god! I once went um have you ever heard of Anna Mac Macnuff it rings a bell, but no, I don't know. Um, she ran the length of Britain barefoot the other year, and I joined oh. her for a leg on Ilkley Moor, and I had to drop out like 10 miles in because I fell over and broke my toe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a great start to our conversation. We've talked about the positive yes, side yes. of running. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. I like it. It's very. It's a different conversation. It is really interesting. Um, so, yeah, apart from ultra running like we're we're talking on a podcast you also host a podcast and different conversations as well um it'd be really interesting i think as we kind of get into it just to hear some people will probably already know a little bit about you have heard you before um kind of speaking but if someone's listening and they've not heard you speak before or don't necessarily know as much about you hazel could you kind of give us a bit of an idea as to some of the things that you do at the moment and what um what kind of where your interest lies well, um, the podcast I host is called Reality Tourists. And suppose, long story short, I have psychosis. And on Twitter, I met someone else who had psychosis. And we both were like, why are there no resources? When we were diagnosed, the first thing we did was Google, try to find other people. And the only stories you found were either essentially really stigmatizing axe-wielding maniacs or the people who had magically recovered and now had an amazing success story, which, you know, great for them, but that's not reality for all of us. So we kept moaning about this to each other. And then eventually we were just like, you know what, screw it. We'll just do it ourselves. So, so Reality Tourist was born. I, I do the podcast and um, Jessica, who I do it with, uh, they do the sort of website side of things and the social media and all the advertising marketing nonsense that I don't really want to get involved with. <laughs> I'm a techie person and a talkie person not a whatever the heck it is she does <laughs> it's so, the benefit yeah. of a team there <laughs> it is it is it is um it's, it's what it's what Jessica did before getting ill is marketing and stuff so I I, I that is a world I have no knowledge of at all <laughs> so it's really interesting you mentioned that because I think um I've definitely found through um, having conversations that there is a real focus. And my experience with mental illness is around depression. And I think there's a really 
hopefully a really positive side of lots more conversations happening about what I would describe as the, the more common illnesses, um, depression, anxiety, maybe even kind of OCD and to some extent eating disorders, I think are starting to feed into that very, very slowly. Um, but there are more complex illnesses, like you say there, and they still seem like really, really sparsely spoken about or supported. And I often talk about like, oh, the benefit of the like the conversations I have is I learn more and I understand more. And hopefully we're sharing that with people. Um, but it does still feel like there are definitely areas of mental health that are spoken about and publicized more and to some extent even celebrated in terms of successes and journeys than others um and it'd be interesting to hear like you touched on it there like what it's like when you're looking for support but also now kind of sharing support through through the conversation you have on the podcast but what is it like when you're looking for that support and it's just not really there and there's people like me saying oh things are going great and more of this stuff is happening <laughs> and you're like yeah but not for me or not for this area it definitely is improving i mean um i also do a lot of work with uh York Ending Stigma, which is my local sort of, it was time to change, then time to change lost funding and we we rebranded essentially, long story short. So I do a lot of work with them and the conversations definitely are improving, um, especially if they're more palatable, I suppose, <laughs> conditions. So we do a lot of, we do our own podcast with York Ending Stigma as well. And I'm on, I'm on that as a guest quite regularly. And we did a few recordings recently about employment and everyone was like, oh, it's getting better. We can talk to our employers now. And then I was there with my cold glass of water of, yeah, if I went to my employer and said I had depression, at least they'd know what that was. Mm -hmm. They would have some idea, if right or wrong, how realistic their idea is, I don't know. But they know what the word is. When I go to an employer and say, oh, I've got schizoaffective disorder, they just give me, I, I, sp I spend the next three weeks advocating for myself and, in, and educating the employer. So, yeah, things are improving, but I think things like psychosis are still, people don't like to talk about them still. People are still a bit scared of them, maybe. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I to, to a degree, maybe it's like that with all mental illness, but it is getting better slowly we i suppose we've got to start with the inverted commas easier yeah. <laughs> not not saying lesser in any way shape or form depression sounds horrible anxiety i i've had a little bit of that myself and that's absolutely horrible i've been bulimic for 16 years that is absolutely horrible but it does for some reason seem easier to talk about those top i don't know why it just does i think i guess from my point of view like personally i think it's there's definitely a part of um that being a, those being more common illnesses there are more people that are affected by those so in turn then even if only like one percent of people speak about it well you've started off with a bigger number so the number of people speaking about depression and anxiety will um will be that much more than those other illnesses um and we're we're in the space where i think we really are moving from awareness to education on those things and like you mentioned in the workplaces now okay, maybe changes wouldn't necessarily be immediate or, or not everyone would know, but they would understand, okay, this is probably what I think depression or anxiety looks like. And these are some of the things we could do or feel more confident talking to you about what would you like in the workplace if you were affected by this. Um, but I kind of feel like, yeah, with, um, with psychosis and also other more, what I would describe as more complex mental health illnesses, um, I, I don't think we're at education stage. I think we're back at awareness stage where it's people still kind of just 
learning this is a thing um, and that they will have employees or friends that have these other conditions that are maybe more complex. Um, and I think that's, from my point of view, just where the journeys with some illnesses, I think, are in very different places, I guess. Yeah, I, I think there's also a degree of how easy it is to relate to the illness. Mm. I, I mean, depression is not just sadness, obviously, but people can understand feeling down. People can understand feeling scared. People can understand, but people can't understand the concept of experiencing things that others don't, I suppose. Like people just think seem to think that I can just think my way out of a delusion and it just it's just doesn't work. I mean you can't think you're well of depression either, I suppose, but it just I don't know. People like the little sound bites. They like to uh, condense something down into a simple terms and I suppose you just you can't really with with a lot of mental illnesses, especially psychosis. No, that makes so sense. I like that of the there's a um what's it there's the like the symptom and the illness isn't there and there are those symptoms that even without an illness even if you are even if you don't have a diagnosed depression you can still be depressed or you can still have a low mood if you don't have a diagnosable illness of anxiety you can still have anxieties and worries and panics so maybe they are more relatable because we have similar um starting points it's just people that don't have those illnesses don't become as invested or their lives aren't changed as much by that but they have that kind of short insight yeah um whereas like you say that those more complex illnesses it's so much harder probably to relate to those or understand how um how that affects people's lives uh yeah i think that's an interesting way to kind of think about it as well as to why it's why it's harder for some people to have those insights also films films haven't helped people seem to think that we're murderers (laughs) we're always the bad guys in the films (laughs) the voices made them do it (laughs) yeah it's really it's so weird in it's one of those things like I think in media especially film I don't know maybe it's because I absorb more films I feel like once you notice certain tropes like they exist in so many uh in so many films in so many genres and it's not just movies it's other forms of media as well but once you notice them and you realize like these things are here all the time whether it's the main story or it's a background story um and it's no wonder that people have a natural or first reaction to certain things when that's kind of what they've always been told or shown um yeah it's it's troubling i guess to say the least really <laughs> the way some some uh health conditions are displayed through media um did does that to some extent kind of encourage you in any way when you're talking about kind of sharing those insights or that knowledge through um podcast and other discussions that you might be having around maybe giving a truer um insight or reflection on certain conditions and situations that people might be in and the support that they can or can't access uh yeah pretty much i mean when i first started it, it, when I first started, I only talked about my bulimia and self-harm and anxiety issues. I didn't mention the psychosis because I was scared. <laughs> mm. But my main motivation when I first started talking about those three was just there's so many myths and there's so much stigma. And I can't have felt that if I explain my own history and add a human face to it almost, I suppose, maybe I can start to remove some of those myths. 
And maybe that way I can make it a little bit easier for other people to be able to speak out and to be able to get help because I don't know about other people, but I was terrified to try to get help. I mean, I'd been self-harming for over 10 years before I spoke to someone about it because I was just, I heard all these things. Oh, it's looking for attention. Oh, it's a phase, blah, 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 blah. And I just, I was so terrified of someone seeing me as being manipulative or whatever that I just didn't say anything. And that that massively held back any sort of aspect of recovery because I just mm. I didn't seek help. So I think my fear is other people having that happen. And my hope is that by talking openly about it myself, maybe I can maybe help someone. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm deluding myself, but that's the hope. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think um, I very much believe in that. Um, like through through the story sharing that you do when you're sharing your own experience, uh, that will connect or resonate with at least one person. Um, and hopefully, and I'm sure very many more, but I think by just thinking about like, just one person needs to resonate with this conversation or with this element of kind of story sharing, uh, for me kind of removes that pressure of like, oh, there has to be all of this, like all of my story has to be in this or all of the information has to be in this, or there's a, um, I think an added pressure to that as well. And the idea that, like this one conversation is going to affect like thousands of people it's like it might do but actually just come back to like when you started what was the thing you were looking for and um like you I've had that situation where you've been struggling and you just look online for a resource and it doesn't you, there are times when you want information from a big charity and there are times when you just want to hear someone speaking about their experience and just hear a real person um <laughs> talking about like how crap it can be and the struggle and just like hopefully like a little bit of hope at the end of it there's a little bit of a journey happening but being very real and very relatable about that um and those are often kind of the unthanked stories because those people are ill or struggling they're not always going to reach out to you and go do you know what like i read that blog post or i listened to that podcast and it really helped to hear you talk in that way or to share that part of your experience um and i think that's why it's really important for people like yourself to keep those conversations going when you're kind of happy and confident and able to um because it will resonate with someone uh and particularly as we've already said when it's um an experience that isn't always as widely covered it becomes even more important that people that are confident and safe to share those experiences do um because we just have a lack of of people of resources doing that um so i think yeah it becomes super super important um and we've talked a little bit about journeys there as well i don't know if you're happy to share some of kind of your experience and how you've got to now obviously being someone that's involved with lots of um campaigns and conversations and supporting those conversations kind of how did you get to to where you are today oh i don't even know <laughs> um i think i was i was 19 when i first realized there was something wrong and i went to a doctor and it was because i was bulimic and the doctor basically told me i was too fat to be bulimic <laughs> okay no a bit nicer than that they said my bmi wasn't low enough but my brain interpreted that as i am too fat and then I just went off the rails. And at the time I was at university and I was studying neuroscience. 
I somehow managed to finish that degree despite going completely off the rails for the entirety of it. I then started graduate medicine because I wanted to be a surgeon and like three months in, I ended up in hospital. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> I am now not a, spoiler alert, I'm now not a surgeon. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, I'm absolutely not entirely certain how I got from there to here. A lot of it's very bitty in my memory, if I'm honest. I got misdiagnosed. They thought I had PTSD and disassociation. At one point, I got told I was I had maladaptive daydreaming, which I'm fairly sure isn't even a thing. Um, I've not heard of that. I've got to be honest. I don't know what it, I googled it. I'm fairly sure they made it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's apparently it's a disassociation related thing. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, so I forgot. I've lost track of my own thoughts. That is not good. <laughs> It sounds like when I talk <laughs> like and what was the question I was leading up to <laughs> so yeah I got I got misdiagnosed um hallucinations first appeared on my medical record when I was about 25 I think but nothing was done about it I only discovered this from the NHS app recently so that's really strange I then eventually got diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and got put on some tablets and things started to level out and then I moved house and apparently when you're in mental health treatment don't move house because then I had no treatment again <laughs> uh... but luckily somehow I was fine I don't really know how this happened but like all my symptoms apart from some anxiety issues went away for a while and then in 2020 it all just came back and I decided, I, well, I, I was going to say I decided, I didn't decide. My brain decided that I had caused COVID and that Michael Gove was sending me messages through blinking and it all just sort of spiraled. Mm. <laughs> and long story, story short, I'm now back on antipsychotics. But I'm in, I'm back in treatment. Well, I'm not back in treatment, I've been discharged, but I'm back on medication and everything. Uh, but I don't seem to have lost the track. I'm not as off the rails as I was the first time round. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure why, but I seem to be coping with it better this time round. I think I'm a more stable place, like housing-wise and friends-wise and financial-wise. It's surprising how hard it is to pull your life together when you don't have those building blocks of stability. Mm. So I think that's what's made the massive change this time. Um, and also just... I think I found talking out about my mental illness really helpful because one of the things that my auditory hallucinations, like my voices does, is they tell me I'm not allowed to tell anyone, that if I tell anyone, bad stuff will happen. So part of why I started talking about psychosis was to challenge the voices in some sort of terrible risk that could have gone really badly. But it turns out the voices are lying. So <laughs> in a sort of, I don't know, in a messed up way, Talking about it and this hope that I might help other people has helped myself. I think on some level, sometimes I think I'm past help, but maybe I can help someone else. And that's made me feel like I've got a purpose again and like I've got a position in society when I didn't before because I can't I can't hold down a job. I can't do education very well, but this is something I can do. Mm. And that's made me feel a lot better. Because maybe I'm helping someone. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. But either way it's something I can do so it's made me feel like I have a purpose again which is nice thank you for sharing that I think uh, for sure you are definitely helping people um 
and also through the the way that you're sharing your story it's not just you're sharing it today and it needs to help someone today it's also going to be a resource that people are able to listen back to um what was i was listening to something the other day i was like oh this is really interesting and kind of clicked through to like the um like the podcast show notes the like the captions and stuff and it was like an episode from like three years ago and it was just because i'd searched through for different things i was like oh that looks interesting i listened to that um so i think yeah it's a a really valuable and important thing you're doing it's also really nice to hear that it is in some way helping you as well um to to have that experience of sharing or processing certain experiences i think is is really valuable um but also you've got to be in the right space to be able to do that yes yeah you do we um, sort of like as a side effect we've almost created a little community on twitter mm. so we have a monthly psychosis chat now with a, the hashtag each month a different person hosts it and we all talk about whatever aspect we've chosen that month um we're planning on starting a psychosis hangout soon on zoom Oh wow. That hasn't happened yet because I've got I haven't bothered sorting it out. But it will be happening. <laughs> work your way up to that. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, we, I'm a I'm quite well known to being quite an ambitious person and trying to do everything at once. And I, I need I'm learning to pace myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it can be tricky to scale things back as well because you go, Oh, these are all really good things. Yeah. I want to do I want to carry on doing all of them um you get so, excited yeah. about them you're like i must do them now and it's like no no next month <laughs> yeah yeah give yourself a little bit of time to try those new things that sounds really interesting and really exciting a new uh like a new way to engage people in those conversations as well i think um i've definitely had um in the past when i was more engaged with twitter i've become kind of more of a reader than a poster now on twitter um but I remember in the past, like those uh, like Twitter chats and things like that just were so, so valuable to create that kind of community discussion. And I think um, like inadvertently, possibly also being limited by the character length of tweets was mm -hmm. really helpful because there were times when I really wanted to say more. But you would make things, I don't know if it's just me, I would make things really wordy. Like I'm a big one for you'll get a text message that sounds like an email. Um, it's just, I, I have a requirement to put too many things in there. So actually being limited, I found super useful to, to have those kind of short, regular interactions with people and hear those other experiences in um what felt like a, a just a really safe you create really safe environments for those conversations to happen um and i'm not surprised like that you've been able to do that i think it sounds amazing and it's be really interesting to maybe hear again in like a year's time like where some of those have gone and like you say with the um zoom and hangouts and things like that how how those grow um we mentioned earlier kind of the the podcast and some of the things you've been doing and some of the things you're growing into where did like I think you started to mention earlier like, where was the first thought process of like oh like a podcast might be the way to have some of these conversations or or the way we want to do it you kind of mentioned how the the yourself and Jessica came together but how did podcasting become the thing that you wanted to do um I wanted to do a podcast for ages I just you know, when you have these ideas, and you're like, I want to do X, but you just never start it. 
it was like that. It'd been for ages. I'd read book. I'd read book. I read podcasting for dummies last year because I was like, I need to learn how to do this. I'd, I'd started learning how to do the editing stuff. I'd got quite involved with the York Ending Stigma podcast, but I hadn't actually taken the initiative to do it myself. And then I think Jessica pushed me into it a little bit, <laughs> not in a nasty way. She, she's very good at finding the thing you want to do and convincing you that you can do it. <laughs> that motivational push. Yes, yes. So that's essentially how it started. It was like, I, it was something I already wanted to do. And Jessica came up with the name and came up with the, the cover art and found my first few couple of guests. And then it just went from that. I didn't have a choice at that point. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I've got five guests signed up, so I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. Luckily, it ends up that I do like doing it, but yeah, that's it sort of happened accidentally, I suppose, in a way. <laughs> I like, I think it's the, having that sort of support is so nice. I think um, in, in a world where we're, we're talking about having these conversations online and the benefits of creating those communities, but it can be kind of very isolating. It can be very um, like individualistic. You kind of feel like sometimes, yeah, great. I'm feeding into this, but I'm also kind of sat at home on my own. Um, so I think kind of, it sounds like having that support with someone on a particular project as well, really helps kind of feed up and build your own self-confidence and a bit of self-worth as well, I think. And the problem is, though, that we are both ambitious people, and I think sometimes we push each other a little bit. So <laughs> this could snowball into something ridiculous. We don't know yet. We could we could accidentally make each other real. Hopefully not. <laughs> I'm not planning on that. But yeah, um, sometimes I think we need a third person just to calm us down. <laughs> Be like, do you need to do that Zoom now? Exactly, or <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, could, could this be next year's plan? Does this have yes. to happen now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stagger the successes, please. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, it sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Um, and you've also got um, other things coming up as well, I think. Um, I remember you mentioned some other projects and campaigns that might be coming up later this year or next year. I'm not too sure. Um, do you have things that are kind of in the works that you're able to share with with other campaigns? Um, well, we're just with York Ending Stigma. We've had a sort of offshoot project recently called Why, which is a suicide prevention film that we've done and a website and if I'm honest, the film screening was last week, <laughs> but we're going to have, we're probably, I'm going to, I'm not going to say we're definitely going to have more, but we're probably going to have more. And there's been discussions about having online ones, which is going to be interesting. So basically last year, there was a, an, it, there were a few incidents close to where I live and social media went a little bit over, well, I knew that suicide was a top taboo topic and I knew it was stigmatized, but last year people were openly hostile on social media about some of these incidents and it just, it was horrible. So I spoke to the coordinator of York Ending Stigma and I was like, can we do a suicide prevention anti-stigma project? Mm. And unfortunately she is also a very ambitious person. So my idea of let's do a little YouTube video snowballed into us getting funding from like the council and from the um commissioners and stuff and hiring a filmmaker wow. <laughs> hiring a cameraman and a designer and now we have a film that we've had three showings off so far one was a private showing two public showings after which we have a little q a with the people who are in the film um 
we've got a website with everyone's stories on there and some blogs and a what keeps us well page and yeah it has snowballed into almost its own project now. wow <laughs> been about a year's worth of work oh but, my goodness yeah it's um i shouldn't in interact with ambitious people it turns out <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're getting things done. There's no denying oh, yeah. that things are happening. Oh, yeah. oh, that sounds amazing. I think, yeah, it's really interesting. It's also really interesting hearing kind of that journey of, like you say, at the beginning, uh, the idea was like, let's sit and have, record a Zoom call or something. And it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say escalated. That sounds like a bad thing. Oh, it's it did escalate. Kind of... <laughs> it <definitely> escalated. <laughs> um, kind of escalating into uh, like a full production. And obviously other people seeing the value in that and wanting to... Um, kind of add in I don't want to necessarily say make it better but kind of build that up and um, give you the best opportunity to produce the best thing possible and to share it as widely as possible um, hopefully I think shows kind of how um, passionate maybe is a strong word but how passionate or how interested people are in supporting kind of mental health campaigns and particularly suicide prevention um, and in part, that is because so much still needs to be done. Uh, but it's really interesting kind of hearing that journey that you've been through and, and kind of sharing those experiences. Oh, and hopefully been, it makes a big... Taken <laughs> <laughs> over my life at points. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how... I, um, this is like a personal interest question. Like how long is the video or the film? Like, what sort of... I think it's about 40 minutes long. I've seen it like five times. I really should know it's loud. Um, <laughs> I think it's, like it's a about a documentary mini film sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. We, we were we were going to do an hour to start with, but then we decided that was a bit too much. Mm. So it's about 40 minutes and then we have um, a Q&A afterwards. The whole sort of event ends up being about an hour, an hour and a half. Mm. So the idea was that we could have it as like, a lot of workplaces apparently do this lunch and learn thing. Mm -hmm. So the idea was that people could come on their lunch breaks or they could come after work and... Oh, yeah, okay. We're still very early days at the moment, though. We've only had a couple of showings. We've had apparently all positive feedback. We've That's got the website good. up with a little community. We've got a, we made a, um, a PDF that people can download that has, like, tips on how to start the conversations because, obviously, suicides are really horrible, awkward thing to talk about. Mm. So people might need a little bit of assistance there. Um, assistance might be the wrong word, but... Yeah, it's like support. a way to start the conversation. Yeah, and I think that's like a personal viewpoint. Is it's um, like it's a conversation you want everyone to be able to have, but not need to have. Um, yeah. But you need yeah. to build up that confidence and that skill set beforehand. Not to say that someone hasn't seen your film um, or or had any training. It doesn't mean they can't have a conversation with someone or support them. They definitely can. But it builds up your confidence and your knowledge base, I think, if you do engage with those support um, opportunities. Yeah. And that's where I, th I think things like you say, like lunch and learn or uh, what's the after work one, like twilight sessions and things like that. Um, hopefully give people an opportunity to engage with different resources and support. And you're there then to prompt those conversations. And it might be they ask questions while you're there or it might be afterwards. They go away and look at the website and look at kind of a little bit more then. Yeah, that, that's the hope, is we just want to start the conversation. But we also want to make sure the conversations are sort of done in the right way, because I, I think every person in the project has had at some point a negative response 
mm. to when they've opened up. I'm not saying that for definite. I think that that's about right, though. I know I definitely have. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some really wrong. <laughs> I fully understand why, because it is it's a difficult topic and it scares people and people just they want the conversation to end or they want it not to be true or they find it's easier to use euphemisms. And I hate the use of euphemisms around this topic because it just makes me feel invalidated somehow. Mm-hmm. So I totally get why people maybe aren't very good at having these conversations, but I think we need as a society to get better at it. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And I think, um, I also find sometimes my intelligence, maybe I, I, euphemisms very quickly can become confusing or not very clear as to what yes. you're talk, talking about. And I think that's, um, I don't know if you find this, but so often I'm like, oh, it's you're trying to use nice open questions and like let people explore, especially like here on the podcast. It's like let people explore where the conversation goes and what you want to say. Um, and when you're supporting people, like open questions are great, but I think suicide prevention is a real area where you kind of need quite direct questions um, and really clear question and responses to understand where someone is even if they don't know like they can respond I'm not really too sure I haven't thought about this or that or um, in between Um, like you do need quite direct questioning to to be able to identify like is this person in like some danger immediate danger uh, uh, uh to be able to kind of tailor your response and i do think um we're doing some great work we mentioned this earlier where we're doing some great work around uh like common mental health illnesses mental health in general to some extent um but sometimes like even those conversations are avoided i think personally because people are worried about having these conversations where you're talking about um, someone self-harming or potentially having um, thoughts about suicide. So because they're worried about having that conversation, they don't even ask how you are. Um, (laughs) And it's like, okay, so you do kind of have to get everyone or as many people as possible comfortable with this conversation just to enable the, how are you doing? Like I've noticed you seem a bit low recently. What's going on? How are you? so it is really important and hopefully we'll gradually get to a stage where more people are engaging with those um supportive conversations around kind of self-harm and suicide prevention as well yeah i think part of the problem as well is people have this idea that it will put ideas in people's heads which the research shows is complete just isn't true like years ago back in the mists of time i used to go around schools and give talks about eating disorders because you know, a lot, a lot of them start school age, and mm. there just isn't any knowledge about it. People don't even know the warning signs, as it were. And I did these for like maybe six months or so, and it was almost all positive feedback until one school went, "But what if you make them have an eating disorder by talking about it?" And then no school would touch me after that. <laughs> Which is just it, it wasn't going to. Well, I'm not going to say it definitely wasn't going to happen. Maybe there is the odd percentage of people who might try a behaviour after hearing about it. But I think that it's such a small amount and even smaller of of that amount would turn into an actual eating disorder. Mm. It's just, it's a very, society can be very risk averse when it comes to these things, I think, which isn't great. For sure. I think, so I had a similar question a few years ago in relation to how, what was, uh, I think it was just generally talking about mental health 
um, in a workplace. And uh, it, I had to take a minute and I was like, oh, can we, I'll come back to this. Like we spoke about something else for a little while and I came back to it and like, I constantly, whenever I get uh, like a conversation prompt like that, I'm like, I'm sharing this with people because I think, I think this is really good. <laughs> Maybe it isn't, but I think it's really good. So uh, uh, my response to that was, um, kind of, that's cool. Like if that's your opinion, I, I can understand you want to keep things safe. However, like, especially in the workplace, in almost any room you go into, there's information about what to do if there's a fire. There's where the fire assembly point is, how you leave the building, who your fire marshal is. Now, are you worried that by me reading that, I might start a fire? <laughs> or there might be a higher percentage chance of a fire because there's that information there. Because that's essentially the same thing. We're talking about informing people before an issue becomes an issue or helping people find out about things. Um, like this is the same thing. We're telling people about what to do. If if there's an issue, if there's a concern around a fire, this is what you do. Um, and that did kind of like, they didn't really have a response to that. That sort of stumped them. And it's like, cool, I, I like I've put the thought process there. That's enough. I don't, the conversation doesn't need to carry on. Um, and I think you're, you're right. Like you never know how someone is going to interpret um, the information or the story that you share um, but I think there's like so much research and information so that's just not the thing that happens um, yeah. the mere fact that you're invited into places to speak or that this is even a conversation that people have is because people are secretly struggling isn't that the much greater danger mm. um and that seems to be like you say, that's the thing that people ignore because it's like, oh, but that's a secret. We don't know about that. Um, it's like, wow, well, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, from, a... per from personal experience, not being able to talk about the stuff and feeling like I was the only person with whatever it was that was going on at the time was awful. Mm. I would have given anything for someone to say, you know what, I have that too, or I have mm. something similar. It would just, yeah, it was, it's like, um, back to the self-harm thing, all of the sort of awareness stuff you see, it's all very, very much tailored towards sort of depression, borderline personality disorder, etc. Most of my self-harm was based on delusions and the voices. That never gets talked about. That never gets mentioned. I thought, I was convinced I was the only person that did that until maybe a year ago when I found people mm. on Twitter. And it was just, it was such an isolating feeling. But if someone had told me years ago, oh yeah, yeah, people do self-harm due to delusions, I'd have felt so much better. I'd have felt more validated. I'd have felt more like it wasn't just a me thing. Mm, totally. And I think hopefully that's what having conversations like this and the conversations you're having on your podcast and also with the other things you're doing as well with the different campaigns will will do is to help kind of share those different insights and experiences and show people, you know, um, that they're not alone that there are similarities maybe the story or the journey isn't exactly the same but I'm not sure anyone's journey is exactly the same no, probably not. <laughs> um, but that there are opportunities to to be part of conversations um, whether that's on twitter or, or or in other places that there are services to support some are definitely harder to find than others um but there is support out there. So hopefully through through the conversation, it kind of it shows that. And maybe someone is also listening that maybe isn't affected by this, but maybe has increased their, their awareness or their education as well. It's definitely been um, uh, a little bit insightful for me to learn a little bit about your experience, but also really interesting just to hear 
um, you speak about kind of that journey as well. Um, if people do want to find out a little bit more about you, Hazel, or some of the things that you've mentioned, where are the places they can go to find out about you and the podcast and everything else? So um, the podcast is on is on Twitter uh, at Reality Tourists. I am also on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I really should have chosen a different handle when I started Twitter because my Twitter handle's not in English. <laughs> <laughs> So when I say it, people are just like, what? So my Twitter handle is Anne Lassar, which is the flame in, in Gaelic. <laughs> I really should have chosen a different one. I'm also quite active with York Ending Stigma, which is also on Twitter, but it's, it's on Twitter as York Ends Stigma because character Linect. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's interested in the suicide awareness um, campaign, the website for that is www.ysuicideprevention.co.uk the film's called why <laughs> amazing is that why the letter y or why w why the word why the word why the word cool okay that's a very good question <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely one of those people that really struggles when people say numbers and i'm like so is that like a number or the word the number <laughs> <laughs> amazing thank you so much hazel for coming on and sharing um your experience your insight your knowledge and your expertise as well it's been really interesting to hear from you so thank you so much for sharing it's been brilliant going on. Um, I didn't think I'd have this much to talk about, to be honest. So <laughs> I feel like we could definitely have gone longer, but I'm kind of trying to keep us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs>These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. People just want to know that this, they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.